Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 375 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shh, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page, for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio. And the reason that I did not swear just now in my opening, which I usually do, is because of you, Zoe. Hello, Zoe. I have to give a very enthusiastic shout out to eight-year-old Zoe and her mama, Melissa Ray. I, I I love it when people say that their kids listen to the show. It's so sweet. I think they like that I'm a nut. I'm a goofy nut, a goofball. <laughs> but also, I immediately go, what did I say? Ah, I need to watch my language. But sometimes I just get rolling and I start feeling all cool. And then the swear words start flying. Plus, there's a swear word in the name of the free ebook that I give away. So I apologize for that, Zoe. But I think you're rad, and thank you so much for listening to the show. I also want to give a shout out to the amazing people, support all the people who have ever supported me on Patreon and helped me get closer to this goal I have of paying my rent and my health insurance entirely every month through Patreon. But I want to give a special shout out to new patrons, Summer Northrup, Mary Four. Rachel, Don Belling, and Brandy. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope that you're getting a lot out of the content there. There's a lot of it to explore. So enjoy. Enjoy. And today, let's call this a Saturn's Day evening post. I don't know what number it is, but it is Saturn's Day right now as I'm recording this. So what the heck? Let's call it a Saturn's Day evening post. I... Here's what I'm doing today. I am on call for Mitch Horowitz, who is a very busy author and occult thought leader. He's always flying here or there and giving speeches. And I really love his book, The Miracle Club. And I've been trying to get him on the show and our schedules aren't matching and so <laughs> I just told him. I gave him my phone number and I was like, text me anytime on Saturday and I will I will haul ass to get to my laptop and in a matter of minutes we will be doing an interview. So I've just been like cleaning my house, stretching, hanging out on Instagram and I was finally like just I'll just record a podcast. So I have <laughs> this is so goofy. But this is this you need to know this about me. This is how I roll. I have my phone here on mute, but tilted up in my eyeballs. So if somebody texts me, I will see it. Beyond that, up on a box, I have my second laptop opened up to the email account that Mitch and I have been communicating through in case he decides to contact me through there. 
So that freed up my mind enough to be able to sit here <laughs> and do today's podcast, which is the Busy Witch's Guide to Micro Magic on the Go. Sometimes I call it witching on the go. This is nothing new. This is something that I talk about all the time because this is my, my real practice. I'm a magic on the go kind of witch. And so people ask me about this all the time. And I feel like I have said everything there is to say about it because my practice is very simple. It's very convenient for me and it works with my life. So I talk about it, you know, I just sprinkle it around here and there, but I, I'm planning on hopefully improving the podcast here by bringing on more people to interview. I really want to create more of an interview-centric show, especially because I'm creating more topical stuff on Patreon and doing tutorials. I will still do that stuff every once in a while here, but I want the main gist of the situation here on the public podcast to be interviews because I'm a huge book nerd. I'm a fan girl of so many different things, and it does intimidate me reaching out to people that are appealing to me but not witchy. Like I'm always afraid and I will procrastinate in reaching out to them because I'm afraid the word witch will put them off. And this just came back to bite me in the ass. I love this book. My friend Marla bought me this, goodness, for my birthday, for Christmas. At some point, she bought me the book uh, into, I should have it right here with me so I could say it properly. It's James M. Doty, Into the Magic Shop. James M. Doty is a brain scientist who talks about the kind of magic we talk about here and how he was really interested in magic, like the illusions of magic, like stage magicians when he was a little kid and he was having a troubled childhood and he found refuge in this magic shop that sold, you know, like hat tricks and card tricks and things like that. But he just, I think he was guided there. You might say he lucked out and he connected with the woman who owned the shop. I think it was a couple, but he connected with the woman and a son. It's like a family run business. And she started teaching him real magic like real magic with a K, how to create change and conformity with your will. And so it's a really interesting book because he's a brain, he's a neurosurgeon. I Somehow in my mind that gives it more credence when he's talking about these things, but it's just a beautiful memoir. It's a really entertaining book. I have talked about this before. I don't know if I've talked about it here, but I've definitely talked about it on Patreon. And so I'm going to bring him on the podcast. I'm going to try to get him on the podcast. And then I didn't. I did not ask because I was afraid he would take one look at it and be like, which? No. Now, I just saw yesterday when I was loading up my podcast to go on a road trip, that friggin' goop, Gwyneth Paltrow's podcast, goop. <laughs> had him on. And I was like, see what happens when you procrastinate or when you're insecure. No more. That's the last time, damn it. I'm just going to reach out to people and they can reject me or not. But I think it's when I'm really excited about someone. I've had this happen a couple times on the podcast where I've reached out to someone. One person in particular comes to mind who I loved for years and would give shout outs and say really wonderful things about this person. 
And I think she got my first message, which was very like fangirly. And she's like, yeah, sure. Okay, that sounds cool. Let me just check out your podcast and see what I think. And I'll get back to you. And then she ghosted me. She judged me. And it was a little bit heartbreaking. And I can't enjoy her material anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> it depends on the person. I've been rejected plenty and it doesn't bother me at all. But that one... I think because she said, let me check out your podcast and then I'll get back to you, you know, if I like it. Well, her ghosting me and not responding to my messages afterward was a clear message that I do not like it. (laughs) So (laughs) trying to get over that. Uh, Also, we're just going to do a big, long ramble here at the beginning, which is great because I said this is another edition of the Saturn State Evening Post, and that is what the Saturn State Evening Post is all about. But within this ramble, there will be some valuable information, I think, about the Busy Witch's Guide to Micromagic. Micromagic on the go. But before we get to that, I have to ask you all, especially those of you who have Netflix, because if you don't have Netflix, you probably aren't going to know what I'm talking about. Have you seen Russian Doll? I feel like everyone I know is obsessed with Russian Doll (laughs) and has watched it It's eight episodes, I believe. I don't think there's going to be another season. I think this is it. I think the eight episodes stands alone. I don't know how they would do it in another season. It's a very satisfying eight-episode-long journey on Netflix. Netflix is so cheap, by the way. If you don't have it, I highly recommend checking it out. Anyway, I... (laughs) It's its own thing. Russian Doll is its own thing. The reason I'm mentioning it here is, to me, there's a lot of psycho-spiritual ideas woven throughout this show. I think if you enjoy the things we talk about here, you would enjoy that show. Plus, it's beautiful to look at. Just very moody lighting, very hip and cool looking. It reminds me if After Hours, Groundhog Day... The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Memento, maybe a little Back to the Future. If they all got it on, <laughs> like, bounce, bounce, wow, and then had a dark orgy baby with really good hair, that would be Russian doll. <laughs> I read an interview. I was thinking about it in the context of, like, shadow work and healing trauma to be able to move forward in your life. And I just think that it speaks so much to both of those things. But an interview I saw with the creators, uh, Natasha Leone was the one who first got the idea. And then she worked with a couple other women, one you might really be familiar with and a fan of, to bring it to life. They worked on it together, and then they brought it to Netflix. In this interview... They were saying that they actually had more of a video game concept in mind. So it would be like, what if life, your life, was like a video game? And you cannot get to the next level if you don't first accomplish all the tasks in this level. Or if you've like missed some task in a previous stage in the game, you might not be able to unlock this piece. So then you have to go back through the levels and 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 solve that piece or that glitch so that you can then move forward in the game. And the lead character is a game developer. So that all ties in very nicely and I get it. But I still 
I see it from a more psycho-spiritual perspective, which of course is how I see everything. <laughs> that is the lens through which I interpret art and just about everything. But the way that I interpreted it was this. We have an almost infinite number of choices that we could make in any given moment. But our past conditioning and trauma often locks us in to a predictable loop, a kind of shadow loop in which many of us feel a lack of hope of ever escaping because we try, <laughs> we try and we try and we try and eventually like this kind of learned helplessness develops and we're just like, screw it, this is who I am. We, and we get that way because we are programmed by the pain and also the pleasure of our formative years into this predictable loop of behavior that ultimately for many of us, isolates us from each other and even our own selves until one day, if we're lucky, <laughs> our soul demands to be heard and we finally venture forth or we are forced to venture forth into the confusing, mysterious, intriguing adventure back through the layers of the past to find out why we are the way we are and heal or make right the inciting incident that launched us in to this set pattern of conflict and distress that we keep playing out again and again and again and again, or a numbness, just a all-pervading numbness that makes life feel kind of hollow. So Natasha Lyonne, she referred to the, the show as an existential, existential adventure show. And if that's not reason enough to check it out, I don't know what it is. I love that. If you just said it's an existential adventure show, I'd be like, I'm on it. <laughs> but I also think she's the perfect person to play this character because, and this is not something I've seen her talk about. This is just my own perspective from being a movie fan since forever. But she, she's kind of living a second life right now in her career, or that's how I see it. When she first came on the scene, she was very young, totally unique, just a really unique character. There was nobody really like her. She was the one and only Natasha Leone. But early on, she, I think she got really heavily into some bad drugs and that, that dovetailed with some mental health issues. And she had some behavior that was very shocking and alarming. And I think it, it really ruined her reputation for a while in Hollywood. So to me, it's thrilling and exciting to see her have this hit show. She looks so healthy and fabulous. And it, to me, it speaks to the hope that I'm always trying to share here, that you can change your life. It takes some work. I think Russian Doll, the series, really demonstrates that. So there's that. And then I have one more little ramble that I did not expect to do, but it just hit me between the eyes, and I was like, I'm going to say this too. Sun opposite moon. 
She changes her name on Twitter all the time. So I'm not going to tell you whatever name she's going by right now. I'll tell you her handle is at Sun Opposite Moon. And she posted this morning that she uses CBD gummies from this company called Not Pot. <laughs> and I know a lot of you are interested in CBD right now and or just cannabis medicine a friend of mine, Amber, I just talked about her YouTube channel, Messy Magic. Her last video, she was talking about how she was able to actually get off medication, antidepressants, by, by slowly, gradually switching over to CBD. And so it just seemed timely that she was posting about notpot.com, not pot.com, not pot.com. Get that in your head so you can go punch the URL in the next time you're near a browser. <laughs> but what was really interesting to me is they're affiliated with a program called The Bail Project. And I cut and pasted something here so I can read it to you so I don't I don't want to I don't want to botch this because it's way too important. It, when you go to notpot.com, it's such a fun, cute website, and it is not, their mission is not cute. It's very, very important, but it's a very, like, happy, hippie, cartoony-looking website, and it says free plants and people, which is really their mission. So here's what they said. Cannabis has deep, tangled roots in our country, America. United States. The enforcement of cannabis laws reveals some of the United States justice system's starkest racial disparities. While cannabis use has been roughly equal among black and white Americans, black Americans are nearly four times as likely to be arrested for possession. What's worse, even after cannabis was legalized in Colorado, arrest rates for black and Hispanic youth rose by more than 50%, while arrests of white youth declined by 10%. At Not Pot, we believe full cannabis legalization is a step in the right direction, but it's not enough to correct the wrongs of our criminal justice system. That is why we are proud to support the Bail Project, a nonprofit organization designed to combat mass incarceration at the front end through a revolving national bail fund. <sighs> Our contribution to the Bail Project is straightforward. We pay bail for one person in need every month. While seemingly simple, we believe that paying even one person's bail represents a bigger act of resistance against criminal injustice. Cool, right? And then when you go to bailproject.org, they have like a little rolling counter that tells you how many people that they have bailed out of jail for cannabis-related arrests. And at, at the point that I went to their website this morning, it was at 3,620. It says, with your help, we have paid bail for over 3,620 people to date. So if you care about that issue, I think those are cool websites to check out. And if you are using CBD gummies or anything like that for managing pain or energy issues, depression, anxiety, whatever you're using it for, go check them out. If you're going to buy CBD gummies, you might as well buy it from a badass company like this, right? Right. Okay, so let's get to today's subject. And I hear power tools going on 
all around me. We've, we've had lots and lots of rain, and today is like the first sunny day since, so <laughs> clearly <laughs> half of Glendale was like, you know what that means? Power tools! <laughs> so one of them sounds like a giant like foghorn that just goes off. I don't know what it is, but every few minutes it's like, Hawk! so if you hear that, <laughs> it's, it's some sun happy power tool using someone out there outside my window. <laughs> okay, so the Busy Witch's Guide to Micromagic on the go. I'm not going to speak here too much on popular witchy accessories or rituals because my favorite witchy accessory is my mind. I am a mind witch and I have found that my ability to focus my mind has a direct impact on my state of being and my emotions and my ability to recognize opportunity, avoid danger, and and take the next right action as needed. It's like a trickle-down effect. If I can focus my mind and work on improving my concentration, it ends up improving all these other things. And maybe I'm that kind of witch, a mind witch, because that's actually, it's where I got started. Before I even lifted one finger to explore like witchcraft, I was performing successful magic, playing around with the law of attraction, old ideas from the new thought movement, Nichiren Buddhism, and other new agey things that are typically pretty hands-free. They don't have all the cool accessories that witchcraft has, but I do still love those. I love the tools and more involved rituals of witchcraft for special occasions because they add a sensual element that helps with concentration and focus, and they can just really help get into the spirit of things. They set a certain tone. But more often than not, I am just witching on the go. <laughs> it's just a daily a daily thing for me. So this episode will reflect that. And the things I'm going to mention here, to me, in my opinion, they have the potential to be helpful for someone who wants to work just a bit of magic into their day. Someone that's not super witchy or, or maybe is new to witchy things and just wants to start playing around with adding a little bit of magic to their day. Or it, it could also make, you know, your daily life more magical if you are following a full-blown traditional or ceremonial path. And the main messages I get around this are usually from moms, <laughs> busy, 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 busy people who are like, I have no time to practice magic, which totally makes sense when you pick up books on magic or like Eastern traditions, or you want to get into Ayurveda. It's like, okay, so if I do this routine that you're telling me to do, it's going to tack two hours onto my day. I have to like dry brush my whole body in the right direction and circular motions only up toward my heart, not away from my heart, to be careful when I'm going over my groin and my armpits, and then I need to swish oil for this many minutes and then spit it in the toilet and not outside and not in the sink, and then I need to scrape my tongue and use the neti pot and then meditate for 30 minutes. And It just is like, I ain't got time for that. That, that, might, that might be good if you are young and single and footloose and fancy free, 
Uh, but for a lot of people, like they just don't have the time for all of that. So this episode is dedicated to you. And also I have found, you know, when I was, when I was a new witchling, I was all excited about all the accessories. I had a massive crystal collection and tarot cards. I love, I do a daily tarot card draw or oracle draw, depending on the day, um, tarot or oracle, but always I do a card of the day. I still do that, but that's such a pare down version of like doing the Celtic cross spread every morning. <laughs> you know, It's very simple and very easy, something I just work into my day. But I remember like in the beginning, it was almost like a superstitious blankie that I carried around with me. Like if I went out of town or on vacation or someone's house, I would like have my tote bag filled with my books and my tarot cards and all of my crystals. And it got to this point where it was like, bag lady, you gonna hurt your back, dragging all them bags like that. <laughs> I guess nobody ever told you all you must hold on to is you, is you. I love that song. I love that song. If you don't know Erica Badu's Mama Gun, Mama's Gun, that record, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> so good. That lady is is some good God stuff. And um, so I put my bag down. I put my bag down. And I, and I started getting, I started really decluttering my life and paring it down to just what serves me. And, you know, I have crystals that work for me, that I have a certain resonance with. And most of them just sit around looking cool. I'll, I'll keep one by my bed maybe, or maybe I'll throw one in my bag every now and then. But I have found with the accessories of magic that it's, a little bit like Dumbo's feather. But because I was a Dumbo who was flying without a feather already, I already knew how to fly without the feather. When these witches came along and they were like, but you need this feather to fly. I was like, oh, cool. It's a pretty looking feather. <laughs> but then the feather turned into, you know, 10 tarot decks and a whole bunch of crystals and that always like weighing me down. And so I put the feather down and found, oh, yeah, it's much easier to fly this way. And I'm not disparaging anybody that's into all of that stuff. It's just for me, when I lightened my load, I kind of went full circle and back to where I began as something of a mind witch. Uh, and talking about Erica Badu, <laughs> talking about being some God good stuff, I just love that record. And that song is not about your bag literally being too heavy. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> clearly about your baggage, which ties very, that ties in really well, actually, with what I was saying about Russian doll. Like that's about the baggage of your life and if you, and putting the baggage down so you can move forward to get to the next level. But speaking of God, did you know that God is on Twitter? I feel like I've told you this before. Jesus Christ and God are on Twitter. So is hunky gay Jesus. So I guess there's a difference between hunky gay Jesus and Jesus Christ. <laughs> they are these parody accounts. and But God recently tweeted, everything happens for a reason you make up afterwards. And that made me laugh. And it's also a, a part of my belief system. And uh, Joseph Campbell we all love Joseph Campbell, right, in the witchy community. He said something to the effect, this is not a direct quote, but that 
there is no meaning in life. The only meaning is the meaning that you give it. And I wanted to emphasize this. I'm not just randomly throwing this stuff out. I wanted to emphasize this in the context of witching on the go and magic on the go, because what I'm going to talk about here is giving meaning to the mundane motions of your life and just in assigning meaning to them, they become more magical. A direct quote I do have written down here from Joseph Campbell goes like this. People say that what we are all seeking is a meaning for life. I think that what we're seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances with our own innermost being and reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. Magic! Magic with the K is about feeling the rapture of being alive, connecting with the outrageous body of Mother Nature and your own innate power as a creator. And in terms of assigning meaning to a situation, of course, as, as, as the tweet of God said, you can do that after the, after the fact. After something has happened, you can assign a meaning to it. I think assigning a pronoia meaning instead of paranoia, you know, saying like, this happened for my highest good. I'm being guided. You know, when you receive a bit of bad news or you experience some kind of loss, that can really help people through things like that and keep them open to the opportunity in it. And I'm not saying that you aren't being guided. I'm just saying to believe that you are being guided is a useful psychological state that can help you through and get you to the opportunity quicker. There's power in that. But there's also something that you can do every day before or while you are living your life, right? So this idea of assigning meaning is something you can do before or after. And since we're talking here today about everyday, like mundane living for the super busy witch, I'm mainly talking about assigning meaning before you do something or while you're doing it. So while you are seasoning the casserole, making the bed, watering the plants, tying your shoes, stoking the fire, putting gas in the car, or one of my personal favorites, scooping the litter box. <laughs> so assigning meaning as you are doing it. In that way, you are deliberately infusing the ordinary actions of your life with magical intention. You are assigning meaning to the mundane tasks and chores of your life. And you can do that anytime, anywhere, all day long. It is really just a matter of mindfulness and intention. Mindfulness and intention. I would say those are the two pillars of witching on the go. Well, actually, I, I would add a third. I'm going to add a third pillar. <laughs> Don't listen to me. There are three pillars as I just make this up off the top of my head. <laughs> I would add a third pillar because, let's face it, two pillars ain't holding up jack. And this third pillar is important, and that is stillness. So mindfulness, intention, and stillness. That is the name of the game of witching on the go when you are living a busy life. So let us, let, us, let us talk first then about stillness, and then we'll move on to the other two. So stillness is about making space 
in your day to receive. Do you remember the episode that I did in December? I did an episode on gratitude, explaining how practicing gratitude is not just about like attracts like and tricking the universe into giving you more things. And it is true, in my opinion, that when you experience true gratitude, not just repeating some affirmation or saying like, yes, well, thank you, (laughs) but actually like feeling deep gratitude, you are attracting more things into your life to be grateful for. But I was talking about deep gratitude allows you to receive what you've already got because Most of us living in the Western world, we are so saturated with abundance, we can't even see it anymore. We're like fish in the ocean who don't know what water is because we're so surrounded by it at all times. So gratitude practice allows you to receive what you already have. I remember when I did that episode, I, it's one of those ones that I, I, I believe in. It's something I believe in, but I thought, hmm. Maybe this is too Pollyanna Joanna and people are just going to think I'm being a big old cheese ball. But it's one of the episodes I, I got the most feedback from. People really resonated with that and got what I was trying to say. And that made me feel very, very good. So stillness, in a sense, is about that. It's about making space in your day to receive. It's about stepping outside the go-do-be loop And the ask, 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 asking, constant asking and praying, help me, God, help me, (laughs) to actually receive what it is you keep asking and magicking for. And it's also about shutting the F up so that God, God is source, whatever guides you're working with, your higher self, can get a word in edgewise so that divine, wise, supportive messages have the space to reach you to actually come through. I think many people skip over or avoid this step because making space in your life for the kind of regular meditation practice that is so often recommended is intimidating. Or for some people, it's just flat out impossible given the breakneck pace of their lives to meditate for 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes at night. You know, it's just not realistic for some people. So I wanted to share with you the ways that I meditate all day long. And they take seconds sometimes. The first thing I would recommend doing is get your phone and just sit there for 30 seconds. Hit your, the, it's not the timer, it's the uh, stopwatch Turn the stopwatch on and just watch the numbers scroll until they get up to 30 seconds. Take a few deep breaths while you sit there watching the numbers scroll and then stop it when you get to 30 seconds and it'll just give you a sense of how long 30 seconds is, right? To just sit for 30 seconds. My timer on my phone only goes up to one minute, but I think there's a lot you can do in 30 seconds, you know, (laughs) like when you're at work, uh, you can sneak off into the bathroom and just have a 30 second meditation. So you probably don't want to sit on the dirty floor of your, of your workplace or your school or whatever. So you just go into a stall And you put your hands in prayer pose. I like to do this with pressure. I push the heels of my palms together. And then I press the 
uh, how do I explain this? The side of the heels of my palms into my breastbone. So I get the pressure from hand to hand and then the pressure into my chest. Even I'm doing that while I'm talking to you and it just slows my thought process down and it calms me down just the motion of it, probably because I practice this a lot, but also there just seems to be something very calming about that. And then just take three deep, relaxing breaths and clear your mind as much as you can of whatever busy busyness is going on up there. It's amazing how much peace you can achieve in little 30-second shots like that all day long. Think about it like taking a shot at Jägermeister, what it does for you at a party, right? <laughs> well, you can't do that at work. You shouldn't, okay? <laughs> but you can do this, and it's really simple and discreet. And and if you are at home, like do it for one minute on the floor. It's even better if you can just sit on the floor, Another thing that's really awesome, little kids will get in on this game with you too if you teach them how to do it, is you just like tell them we're just going to stop and drop into Shavasana, a corpse pose. And it's an asana from Hatha Yoga. And it's used, usually we do this at the end of a yoga session. It's the best part of yoga <laughs> when they play the plinky plunky music. And you have sweated and exerted yourself. And then the teacher just has you lay on the mat like a corpse. That's why it's called corpse pose. And you just like, oh, like release all whatever remaining tension is in your body. Some people fall asleep. Some people like leap into some kind of astral projection where they're having all these visions and stuff. But that's something you can do just for a minute. Set the timer on your phone. Lay down. Again, don't do this at the office. <laughs> this is something to do at work. You might be, do it at a park if you have a safe park, maybe. But just lay down and take a few deep breaths. I think 30 seconds or a minute is a great place to begin because then you don't get too much resistance and you don't get into this whole idea of like, I cannot think thoughts. Your brain is made to think thoughts. It's what your brain does. <laughs> and it's very strange when you first start, you know, doing a traditional meditation practice, especially if you start with like 20 minutes a day or something, it, it can be really frustrating and then people end up giving up. Another thing that you can do just to bring a little bit more stillness into your life is to use your car. So like sitting in the car, if you live in a cold climate and you want to warm your car up before you take off, just sit there, close your eyes and breathe for a minute. You might have a little mantra where you do your little 30 second or one minute just sitting in your car before you get out to go into the office. You might end it by saying, peace, I am peace. And repetition is really important to these things. Like what I was saying about how I put my hands in prayer pose against my chest. I've done it so many times that my body is programmed to relax immediately when I do that. If you say peace, I am peace at the end of every time you do one of these 30-second or one-minute little meditations, it has a similar effect we are pro programming our, our own minds on purpose. So making space like this in your day, here and there, it may not sound like a lot, but if you're doing nothing, it's a lot more than nothing. <laughs> it's a good place to begin. 
And it adds up over time. It really does. And, and like I said, by practicing, you are training yourself into the get into that state. And then you also learn to maintain the state, which helps you when we, when we talk about mindfulness, these little short little sips of stillness can help you maintain mindfulness for longer periods of time. And it also helps you to learn to discern the different feeling tones in your own energy or other people's energy or the energy of the room. And you will probably start noticing Hopefully, you will start noticing a distinct difference from like the wound up thoughts racing through your head, like, and the very warm, calming headspace that descends after a few deep breaths. And you might start noticing that you start having more insights and more intuitive hits of guidance than you usually do. And I think both the appeal of that soothing headspace. And the kind of thrill you get when you receive a good, like, intuitive hit, I think that that leads to looking for more ways to work more stillness into your life. Once you have proof that, like, okay, this stuff is life-changing. It's like the littlest, tiny sprinkle of stillness throughout my day, but it's actually having an impact. That's encouragement. That's validation to keep doing more. So... That is one pillar, stillness. The other two pillars, mindfulness and intention, go together like peas and carrots. They, well, they all do, actually. I'm, I'm correcting myself mid-episode. I do that sometimes. <laughs> they all do. They all go together because a stillness practice, like I said, will enhance your mindfulness practice and vice versa. And... It takes intention to practice either of those things. And the mindfulness and the stillness practices will then inform and activate the intention setting. So it is, it's a holistic, integrated operation. But for the sake of clarity, I'm just breaking it into these, into these three parts today. So stillness, intention, mindfulness mindfulness. Mindfulness, you might think of it as meditation light or meditation on the go. So this is, I guess, an extension on stillness, but you're not being still. You're actually moving through your life and doing the tasks of your life. It allows you to reap many of the benefits of a regular meditation practice without a huge investment of time. So you are not sitting on a cushion 30 minutes twice a day. Not that that's not very, very good for you. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. If you have the discipline and the time to do it, awesome. Um, I, a lot of people are, just don't have time for that, but they also want to benefit from meditation. And I mean, the benefits of meditation are huge. A lot of people say learning to meditate is the first step in, in learning to do magic. It, it's anti-aging, it's anti-anxiety, it's an antidepressant, and, and many magical practitioners, they will insist that it's a foundational skill. And it'll also, this is, this is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in living a happy life and not having unnecessary conflicts, and 
getting further and further and further from the anxiety and depression of my past and something that a meditation, a stillness, a mindfulness practice will do for you is it will help you stop reacting to every little offense or trigger that comes your way. And it will teach you to live in a state in which you are taking deliberate action instead of like knee-jerk reactions and using deliberate speech, doing things in, in a mindful way, right? So you're not just like, so people can't just push your buttons like you're a robot. <laughs> that ain't no good. Mindfulness is about living in the present moment, being present to what is. And this you can literally do anytime, anywhere. And, and it's about as easy as clearing your mind of all thoughts. And that was a joke. <laughs> Because clearing your mind of all thoughts ain't easy at all. I doubt that there is even one person on the planet who lives completely in the present moment 24-7. I don't even know if that's desirable or even conducive to magic to be in the now 24-7 because... We magicians, just like Natasha Leone's Russian doll, we like to have our existential adventures. Extis. Why can't I say that properly? Existential adventures. We like to have our adventures in which we travel back in time to heal the past and liberate the shadows. And we like to travel into the future to secure a desirable vision that we can then bring to life here in the now. So... I guess if I, this is a matter of know thyself and, and what, why or what is your practice about. So if you're aiming for Jesus-like mastery and enlightenment, then living 24-7 in the now might be a worthy goal for you. But for me, I am a secular witch. I like this world. I like my imagination. I like to play around to see what I can make happen. And that requires a little time travel every now and again to into the past and into the future. But still, mindfulness training is super important because most of us, we err so much on the side of not being present, of not being in the now, that even the most devoted mindfulness practice is barely going to split the difference <laughs> for us. And we need that piece too because the now is... The present moment is your point of power. And if we as practicing magicians don't learn how to harness the now moment, those visions that we love so much and put so much, you know, that the intentions, that the goals that we set for ourselves, they become impotent. And that is why I often say that our true point of power is in the now. At, and, and we practice meditation or mindfulness, which is the kind of moving meditation, in order to train ourselves to spend longer and longer stretches of time in that state. It's just a practice. And beyond performing acts of magic, it just feels good. It feels good on the brain and in your body. It's, it's a form of freedom. And, and it's where peace resides. And that is valuable in and of itself, magic aside. So how do you do that in real life with your busy, 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 busy schedule and all your responsibilities and demands on your time? You start with what 
is. You start with the life that you're living right now with the routines and chores that you are already performing on a regular basis. So you start with vacuuming the floor, brushing your hair, raking the leaves, scrubbing the bathtub, folding the laundry, doing the dishes, housework, grooming, and and basic maintenance activities are especially well suited to this. And the way it works is that you do your best to bring your full presence to the task at hand. And because the monkey mind is so busy and prone to wandering and jumping all over the place, like a monkey, the practice the practice is simply in calmly but firmly redirecting your attention to the task again and again and again. Focusing on the sound of the Brillo pad brushing against the stainless steel. Feeling the weight of the dishes in your hand. Getting into the circular rhythm, the the circular rhythmic motions as you scrub, scrub, scrub the floor. Watching the drops of vinegar solution clear against the rotation of the paper cloth against your window. Listening to the modulations of the vacuum as you zoom, 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 back and forth and back and forth. You're focusing on the sensuality of movement, sound, sight, scent, really thinking about engaging your senses as much as you can in these ordinary tasks will go a long way to helping you stay in a mindfulness state for longer periods of time. So it's good to create that on purpose by investing in a dish soap that rocks your socks. (laughs) A dish soap with like a really strong scent that you love. Maybe one infused with citrus essential oils. You can make one yourself if you got the time. But something that feels very clean and energizing or folding your laundry fresh out of the dryer while it's still hot So you get the added benefit of feeling the warmth in your hand. Anything that brings you back into your body. That's what I mean when I'm I'm saying like sensual. Anything that brings you into your body helps bring you into and stay in the present moment. And and it helps the monkey mind calm the F down. (laughs) This is so great too because it gives your body the opportunity to take center stage and and it gives your mind a rest. So in that way, it just becomes a beautiful dance of self-care while you are at it. And again, it is a practice. Do not turn this into another opportunity to beat up on yourself or to panic when you notice how relentlessly undisciplined your mind is. All our minds are like that, especially now that you know, the internet is driving our brains. (laughs) It's, you just have to be as patient with your mind as, as you would a small child. I think thinking of it as the monkey mind is, is very helpful because I would never like get pissed off. Well, I might, if a, a monkey was flinging poo around my living room and ruining my favorite stuff. I might get, I might get upset, <laughs> but think of it as like a cute little monkey who's just like, cha, 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 cha. that helps me have compassion for myself. And, and then you just keep redirecting your mind as many times as it takes. It's just a practice. You don't have to do it perfectly, but you will get better at it over time if you stick with it. I happen to be obsessed with my timer, in case you haven't noticed. I use 
my little timer method for all kinds of things. It works really well for this because the monkey, the monkey wants to know, your mind needs to know that there is an end game to this whole torturous charade of trying to be still and quiet. So you just tell yourself, you tell the monkey that I'm just going to practice this for five minutes. And then you set your timer for five minutes or just for the length of time it takes to complete a brief chore. So just for as long as it takes to do the dishes, I'm going to be mindful to what I'm doing. I'm not going to let my mind wander. I'm just going to stay really present to what is. And then your monkey mind can go back to chattering and flinging poo as soon as the task is over (laughs) or the timer goes off. Another thing that you can do is to simply just tap into the tried and and true things that already bring you into the present moment. There's there's no need to reinvent the wheel when you probably already have a few things that you know work for you. And and if you don't, just start start a list. It's just a matter of identifying them and and letting yourself slow down every now and then to enjoy them for a little while. So what sights, sounds, or sensations bring you fully into the present moment? What stirs your emotions? Is it watching life move through the tree or the sky or the city street outside your kitchen window? Is it the sound of a clicking clocking tick? (laughs) Is it the sound of a clocking tick? A ticking clock? (laughs) I love the tick of my car's engine cooling down on a, on a cold day when my engine gets really hot and I'll sit in my car after I shut the car off just to hear that tick, 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 tick. Um, or that, oh, 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 here's one of my favorites. It's that whoop, whoop, whoop sound that the turntable makes when I have reached the end of one side of a record. Listening to music is really something that I do to make myself feel amazing. And I know what songs and what albums make me feel amazing, but that when it's trying time to turn the record over, there's something about that that is just like, I just love it. Sometimes I let it go on way longer than I should because it just brings me into the now and I find it very, very soothing. It could be for you, it could be, It could be just sitting down every afternoon at 3 p.m. and not having any stimulation on at all. No computer, no phone, no TV, no nothing. And you just sit there for five minutes while you drink a cup of tea. And then you have that whole mindfulness experience of the warmth of the cup in your hand and watching the steam rising rising from the tea. Uh, You could just burn a stick of incense that way and lay on your bed and watch the smoke like swirling through the air. And I think a lot of people need to give themselves permission to do these things. They feel lazy or like there is no time when, I mean, hello, if you're going to spend 45 minutes scrolling through Twitter, maybe you can spend five minutes laying on your bed watching the incense smoke. It's not a waste of time. It's really not. It's practicing mindfulness. It's practicing peace. It's practicing being calm and centered and coming back to yourself. And it's about letting go of the running narrative in your head in order to experience the 
unfolding of reality as it actually is in present time and to live even just for a few moments in a state of of peace and wonder. And I know this sounds all like very dreamy and it makes for like a groovy space cadet moment to just lay and watch the incense smoke in the middle of a busy day, man. But there's a way to be super busy and mindful too. You can mindfully do your taxes, believe it or not. You can do it. <laughs> you can mindfully take, make a phone call, conduct a meeting, shop for groceries. It's just about being present to what is and not letting your mind wander. And, and to be able to learn to sustain your concentration on what is actually happening in the moment. And again, this is easier said than done, but all you have to do is just practice. It's just a practice and it will serve you in so many other ways. And anything, I truly believe this, anything that you do mindfully, you can, anything that you can do mindfully, you can do better. To do it mindfully is to do it better than you could ever do it while you're multitasking or while your mind is like going off on some galloping ride through some narrative, your favorite narrative about how so-and-so person, this person did you wrong. <laughs> Anything that you can do mindfully and with sustained concentration, you can do better. And that is not to say that you should never multitask because, gosh, I'm just going to start meandering, but I, a word for multitasking. I'm all about it sometimes. I love listening to a podcast while I'm driving or filing my nails at a stoplight or practicing yoga poses while I'm watching TV. But if you always listen to a podcast or the radio while you're driving, it might be really informative to practice driving mindfully in silence every once in a while or to make a routine of it and like drive one direction of your daily commute just in silence and like driving you ca your car. I'm feeling the steering wheel in my hand. I am watching <laughs> the people go by the window. I am using my blinker now. Some blinkers make a little noise that helps you stay very present just to actually drive your car mindfully because a lot of us drive on autopilot while our, our minds are going off on these crazy adventures. Trance driving, Don Champagne. And then finally, finally, that was a long, I don't know, I just went off on the mindfulness thing. <laughs> the third pillar, intention. And this is when things get magical, as in like creating change in conformity with your will, deliberate creation, magic with Magic with a K, manifestation, love spells, money magic, and all that fun stuff. And your stillness and mindfulness practices will really help give your intentions extra kick. So they're all super valuable. I just want to emphasize. But the stillness and mindfulness practices help because they allow you to hold and concentrate on your intention with more energy for a sustained amount of time. So speaking of time, intention on the go does not necessarily need to take any more time than living your life unintentionally, not even one more second. You're living the exact life you always live, but you're assigning an intention to what you are doing. And that's why I'm such a fan of it. This is like 
magic on the go. I'm already doing all this stuff anyway. I might as well assign an intention. And I'm not encouraging you to get like super OCD with it and every single thing you do has to be infused with intention. That's no fun. That's no fun. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, I am not suggesting like all these things. This is not a list of things that you should be doing. I'm not trying to should on anyone. These are just suggestions to get your own imagination going and to start looking for ways that you can incorporate a little bit of magic into your everyday life. So the trick with intention, magic on the go when it comes to this pillar, as I've randomly decided to call it the pillar of intention. <laughs> the trick is to look for tasks that just pair naturally with magic. So basic kitchen witchery, blessing food. You're already stirring the porridge, so why not bless it with a little pentagram action with your spoon? Keeping a living mint or basil plant in your kitchen, you know, and you tend to it like you're tending to your prosperity reflectfully. And, and, and then when you're in the midst of cooking, this living spirit, this being that's, that's holding space for your prosperity is there to help you. You just reach over and respectfully and with thanks, pinch off a few leaves to pop onto your pizza or to make a cup of tea with the intention of bringing in more money. Uh, you eat in gratitude, praying, thanking the food. I, when I was a little kid growing up, not just little, when I was living in my parents' house, we prayed... I still have to do it when I go over there. <laughs> we pray before every single meal. We used to pray before we lived for school every morning. We used to pray all the time, but 100% for sure before every meal. You do not eat before you pray. But I wasn't really connected to why or what that was all about. So when I was very, very little, like a toddler, the first prayer I, I learned was, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for this food. And then I got to graduate, I think around like kindergarten into come Lord Jesus, be our guest and let this food to us be blessed. Amen. But really it was just about like, come Lord Jesus, be our guest and let this food to us be blessed. Amen. So we could just get to the food, <laughs> get it over with so you can get to the food. And sometimes when we had company over, which was always Christian, my dad would do this prayer that he used to do that would say it included and bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies, which I had no idea what the word nourishment <laughs> meant. I just thought he's trying to be fancy with the big words. But now I think that's more in alignment with what I do and believe about blessing your food. You're blessing it to the nourishment of your body. Like you're saying, like you're setting an intention over your food before you put it in your face that it will bless you with good health and vitality and energy. And that's something that you can very, very quickly and discreetly do whenever, just before you're about to eat. You can thank the plants, the animals, the workers that made that meal possible, and you can bring some gratitude in it on a whole other level, really connecting to like, I like to think about, maybe this is because I grew up in California, but we have... Lots and lots and lots and lots of Mexicans that work on the farms here crazy hours in the hot, hot sun for less than minimum wage. Like they're hard, they're not getting paid fair wages. And that's, those are the people I think California provides, 
I, I think this statistic is correct. I think California provides something like 80% of the produce for the rest of the country. That sounds huge, but that's the number that's in my head. We provide a lot of the produce for the rest of the country. So thank your California, your Californian Mexicans for the food on your plate because they're busting their asses to get that food on there for you. And I think just... Uh, taking a little moment, I don't know why I went. Sorry, I go on tangents sometimes. That's what I do. But I'm just talking about food. Making the food and eating the food is, it's just pairs naturally with gratitude, with blessings, with prosperity magic, with love magic. It's like almost baked in. All you have to do is just be present and assign an inten- intention to it. And then what I was saying about you know, keeping a plant, a lot of us have house plants, right? Herbs are super, super easy to grow. They give a lot and do not ask for much in return. So just having one special plant in your kitchen like that, that you can just water every now and then and talk to a little bit, it doesn't take much extra time and then it'll give you fabulous pizza and tea or whatever. It depends on the plant you're using, I guess. I like basil and mint and rosemary. Those I can keep them alive and I actually use them um, in making food and stuff like that. So garden, witchery really lends itself well to prosperity, magic, and blessings of all different kinds. I like to kind of like snow white the moment. I like to sing to my plants. If I'm going to be watering the yard or taking care of my house plants, I, I just put some, I put some silliness into it. I sing to them and like the same sing songy voice I use to talk to my cats. I'm like, Hey pretty, how's it going? I touch their leaves. And then from there, it's just a hop, skip and a jump away from talking to your house, <laughs> which is also something you could do very, very quickly when you're walking in the door, maybe just lay the palm of your hand on the door frame and say, hey girl, how's it going? Or I love you or thank you or just something. It just takes a second. Animism. Animism. Animism has changed my life. It's, it's, Marie Kondo isn't kidding when she says the life-changing magic of tidying up because her, the Cone Marie method way of tidying your house, it's an extension of Shintoism, and, and which is all about the animism and, and honoring the soul in, in everything. And when you start connecting to the soul of your house and the spirits of the plant that live there, maybe even the table and chairs, you start to develop a newfound respect and appreciation for your home, and that makes you want to take better care of it. And that is a major time saver in and of itself, when all you have left is what sparks joy, right? (laughs) But if you're going to be putting your shoes away in the closet, right, which you're just going to do anyway, you might as well do it with a sense of reverence. That's what I mean by it doesn't take any extra time. It's just about intention, right? Bathroom rituals pair very well with release work of any kind. So releasing that which no longer serves as you flush whatever down the toilet or rinse it down the drain or spit it out and wash it down the sink with intention. In the free ebook that I give away, Hippie Witch, there's a section there that I call AA for your inner mean girl, I think. (laughs) I might have changed it 
because I realized men were reading the book. Is it your inner bully now? I rewrote it at some point. But um, AA is pairing an affirmation with an action. And, and it really ties into what I'm saying here right now about looking for things in your life that you already are doing that naturally pair well with magic. But the reason that book just popped into my head is because there's a section where I'm talking about dry brushing your body. Like if you are a person who does the dry brushing, like it's an awesome thing to pair with an affirmation. I release that which no longer serves. Space clearing, going back to the calm marine method, space clearing of any kind works in much the same way. So I am organizing this closet with the intention of organizing my mind to prepare for such and such project, or I am cleaning out the junk drawer with the intention of energetically, energetically removing the relationship junk from my life. If, if you clean your windows and mirrors, you can think of them as you know, we say the eyes are the windows to the soul. Take that metaphor to the streets when you're cleaning your windows and, and put some intention on it. I am cleaning this window in the spirit of gaining more clarity around whatever, this issue, this relationship, this career, my money situation. Mir mirrors are awesome too. Like, how many times a day are you in a bathroom with the door closed? It's an awesome time just to look in your eyes for half a second and be like, I love you. I love you. Or hey there. Just to connect with yourself. Like we are spirits or souls having a human experience. And when we say, you know, the eyes are the windows to the soul, that's not just about how other people receive you. It's about how you receive yourself. And it's interesting how... Infrequently, many of us look in our own eyes. It was very startling the first time you do like Louise Hayes recommended mirror work where you actually spend time like gazing into your own eyes saying, I love you, Karen. I really love you. It's a lot of people just break down in tears because when you actually look directly into your eyes, you see a lot that's going on there that you maybe didn't realize. And I think most of us, when we're looking in the mirror, we are looking at ourselves, we're like objectifying our faces. We are shaving our beard to look presentable for work. We're putting the makeup on our face. And we might be very critical of ourselves or we might just be, you know, looking at our face to, you know, shave off the mustache or trim the mustache or put the mascara on our eyes, but without actually connecting with your eyes. So you're there already. You're already in the mirror. Why not just take half a second to look in your own eyes and be like, hey, Hello there. I see you. A practice that I did for a long time. I, I loved it. It was really interesting. And I learned some things in doing it. I think this also was inspired by Louise Hay. But I would look in the mirror and say, I love you, Joanna. But then I would follow it up, holding the eye contact and say, what can I do to make you happy today? What can I do to make you happy today? And then you go about your day and it just, it creates this feeling of that you've got your own back. <laughs> you know, it connects you to your soul. And again, that's something, it just doesn't take a lot of extra time at all. Another thing that pairs naturally with magic is sex. Sex magic, which I am now hesitant to talk about because apparently there are children listening. <laughs> but you know, if you're going to be doing it, 
you might as well take advantage of the situation to direct that energy. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes. Maybe on a special moon or for a special occasion or for a special purpose. I think this works. I think it works especially well if you're alone because you can get as freaky as you want to be. Or if you're with a partner who believes in magic and is at least willing to experiment and then focus on raising energy to direct at the same intention with you. And it's fun, right? It's fun. It's all good. Sex and magic. (laughs) If you are, there's so much you can do with exercising this way too, but if you're going for a run or a jog or walk around the block, or if you're going on a road trip or you're driving out of town for something, it's a good time to assign the intention of moving forward or away from something. And you just imagine I mean, you're physically moving away from where you live, right? And you just imagine that you're leaving something behind and and you visualize that. So again, I hope this just gave you, I hope this gave you ideas of your own. I hope it encouraged you to look at your own life and start thinking about just, just a few things, one or two things even that, that you do every single day that maybe one thing that would be awesome for practicing mindfulness and then another thing for practicing intention. And then maybe just once a day, try the 30 second meditation. Cause what the heck? I think I just cost you what, like five minutes of your life every day. <laughs> if you decided to try all three, <laughs> but these are my best tips for magic on the go. I have others, but I've shared them before. And I have this notion in my head that I would like to start playing music at the end of these episodes. So there, I have some old little indie bands that nobody probably has ever heard of. (laughs) Some old favorites from back in the day I would like to play or new stuff that I find. But the trick is I have to, I have to get permission from the people. And I just spent so long last night trying to find members of the band. I won't tell you because I'm going to play their music, whether I can get their permission or not, and just let the chips fall where they may. I can't find any of the people in this band that we used to perform with. Obedient Waves used to perform with this band. And I loved them. I was obsessed with them. But they had one song in particular that I think you all would love. So I'm trying to find. It's like they just dropped off the face of the planet a few years ago. (laughs) Like, where did they all go? I just want permission to play a song. But for today, I did get a hold of Iris Porter, who is a musician who many years ago, my old company was called Koshi. And it was based on my illustrations and poetry, my lyrics and illustrations and my writing. And I sold hand illustrated purses and handbags, but then I also sold printed panties and t-shirts and stuff. And then at some point, I don't know how the New York Times found me, but I was actually, my little shop was in the New York Times because at that point I was selling not only my own stuff, but stuff from indie designers and musicians that I liked. And going about it in a really long way, it's much easier to do these things now because that was in like I don't know, the early 2000s. But there was this little record that I sold by a band called The Coolots. And there's one song that I just always loved. It's a very quirky song. The version of of it that I love 
It's not the same one that Oris, Iris Porter sent me when I asked her if I could play it on the podcast. She sent me one that's slower, and it's pretty, It's but it's a slower version of the one that I obsessed on, but I think it's still good, and I want to share it with you. It is called Sea C- Green, it, and it's, it's jangly. I think I like the jangliness of it, and I love her voice, so... Without any further ado, here is the Kulots, Sea Green. And until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.